0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot
1: Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com BP bpshow.
2: fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Day 27 of the Trump shutdown, and reportedly, according to the New York Times, Donald Trump is getting increasingly frustrated. Publicly, he says, uh, we're winning. Privately, he's telling aides, we are getting crushed. Yeah, well, let's crush them for real. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say it is, the Bill Press Show? Here we go on Thursday, Thursday, January 17. So good to see you today. So good to have you with us for the next couple of hours. Hang around if you can. we got lots and lots to talk about, some good guests to bring us through, the uh, take us through the news of the day. Uh, wrapping up the confirmation hearings for uh, Bill Barr yesterday and the Senate Judiciary Committee. Looks like there will be enough votes to confirm him, but boy, I would vote against him in a New York second. Uh, Number one, I don't trust anybody would take a job from Donald Trump. And number two, he left enough loopholes in his testimony uh, that you could drive, uh, yeah, Robert Mueller out of the special investigation with it, and you could shut down the special investigation with all the loopholes that he he left there. Uh, Trouble, trouble, trouble coming at the Justice Department. And Nancy Pelosi lowers the boom on Donald Trump and says, Mr. President, if you want, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you want to give your State of the Union address and expect me to sit behind you, you're going to have to shut uh, open, reopen the government end the Trump shutdown and reopen the government first. So far, Donald Trump has not responded. Lots. See what I mean? Lots to talk about. Lots and lots to talk about. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first time.
0: This is the Full
3: Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. You know, it's the winter season. Uh, Every now and then you get like a bad cough. You know, it's going around, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what you should do. According to a new research group for the University of England, just grab some chocolate. Seriously, they did a study on 160 patients, and they gave half of them regular cough medicine and half of them a chocolate-based medicine. Now, all of them had a cough. How about just a chocolate bar? Well, they said that... Or a box of C's. I don't think that works Uh. as well, although it could work because they said that the chocolate-based medicine worked better than just regular old cough syrup. They say that the properties of cocoa help relieve irritation and inflammation and can help you actually stop coughing better than cough syrup
1: next time i get a cold I'm gonna have a box of c's right alongside of my they, bed
3: okay they actually say in the study they said next time that you feel mm-hmm. a scratchy throat or you have to cough yep. or whatever grab a piece just a straight up piece of chocolate that will work so you just keep your c's candy close by and you'll be okay
1: uh, don't take this personally, but, you know, you do a lot of these, like, studies, particularly medical studies, as part of the Harding, uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, whatever, four it, court what's press. it called? Four-court yeah, four press. press, yeah. Yeah, most of them are total BS. I, this I, is the first one I've actually <laughs> agreed with.
3: Okay, fair enough. I report, you decide. That's really how there it is. goes, Bill. I decided. You know, we talk a lot about the uh, a lot of the pain felt <laughs> during the shutdown, not only to the workers uh, who were not getting paid, but just business happening around the country. Well, there is now an outcry from the craft beer industry. Oh. Now, we've talked about this before with our buddy Greg Inger from yeah. Blue Jacket. Yeah. The government actually issues permits... And they issue uh, the okay for different beer labels. Right? So mm-hmm. you can't just have a beer label, you have to get it approved. Hmm. Well
1: I didn't know that. Well, well okay. when the
3: government is shut down,
1: oh. there
3: is nobody to allow these new beer labels to be created and printed on cans. And I would think that food. would be
1: an essential service that someone would have to come in and do the job even if they don't get paid. It's pretty
3: essential if you ask me. So breweries are now sort of saying, what are we supposed to do? We have this new beer, this beer that we need to bottle and can and package, and we don't have approval to do it. So one of some of them are saying, we're just going to go ahead and do it without the approval.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and see what happens.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: This is the Bill Press Show. Nancy Pelosi to Donald Trump. You want to give the State of the Union? End the shutdown. End the Trump shutdown. Reopen the government first. Otherwise, mail it in. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Here we go on a Thursday. That is a show of power such as we have not seen in a long time in Washington, D.C. A welcome show of power on the part of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, proving again she is the person for the job, the right person at the right time in the right job. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday and welcome to the Bill Press Show, joining you live coast to coast, all over the place, online, on the radio, on television, starting out from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., bringing you up to date on what's going on just down the street at the United States Capitol Building, what's going on just down the metro here at the White House, McPherson Square is where you got off, Uh, (laughs) and walk through Lafayette Square, you're right there. Uh, and bring you up to date on what's going on around the rest of the country and around the globe, giving you a chance to comment. We want to hear from you what you think about it all. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. As we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. When you hear that, think podcast, podcast. That's the rage these days. More and more people getting involved in uh, pr- pr- producing podcasts. We have our own uh, it's out there every day. Check it out and sign up for it. When you when you do so, sign up so that you get all the special content that we put up. Then we are joining you, of course, on the radio, uh, statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, and all over Chicago and the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT, and then television. Here we are with you on Free Speech TV. Again, hello, hello, hello. Yes, indeed, the shutdown uh, continues. It is day 27. There are real people suffering real pain, uh, and the consequences are getting more and more severe every day with this shutdown. Uh, senators uh, Chuck Schumer and Patty Murray brought some federal employees to the Capitol yesterday uh, to tell their story. It was very one moving moment when many Democratic senators stood in, on the steps of the Capitol holding pictures of furloughed federal employees, again, uh, or employees who are deemed essential, uh, like the Secret Service, uh, like TSA, like air traffic controllers, who are um, forced to work and yet do not get a paycheck. Uh, Patty Murray from Washington State uh, describing one of these federal women.
0: Not knowing when her paycheck will come is very stressful, to say the least. She isn't sleeping at night, worrying about how she can cut expenses to pay her bills as the shutdown continues.
1: And uh, one of the uh, federal employees there uh, who is uh, out of work, who is furloughed, uh, told her story. Uh, This poor woman, her name is Yvette Hicks, uh, works, well, (laughs) I plan to work at the Air and Space Museum right down the mall, which is the most popular of all the Smithsonian museums. All of them are closed right now. Um, so if you bring in your school group or your family to Washington uh, these days, you're gonna you're gonna be scratching to find things for them to do. Uh, usually they just go from cross back and forth across the mall from one museum to the other. Anyhow, Yvette Hicks showed up her first day on the job. They shut down the government.
4: I have two children that's basically on asthma machines that need a machine every four hours. I have an election bill that's due. That's About to be disconnected.
1: About to be disconnected. And we've heard those stories over and over again from uh, hundreds of thousands of federal employees across the country who are facing uh, mortgage payments, car payments, grocery payments, uh, tuition payments, all of that. uh, And just basically, cost of living, maybe paying off their student loans or paying off their credit card bills. And no money coming in.
3: You know, th- this is a lot different.
1: I think this is real. This is real oh, yeah. for a lot of people.
3: And this is a lot different than shutdowns <laughs> in the past, not only because of the length <laughs> that it's gone on, this is now the longest shutdown. And I think it's going to be a lot longer that we have this. But, you know, when, when, We've gotten used to these shutdowns, and they they resolve themselves fairly quickly. Usually, and you yeah. get paid. You know, you get the back the last pay. Last was like
1: twenty four hours.
3: Yeah, right? yeah. If that, I mean, it was a very yeah. short shutdown. Uh, and you know, these federal workers, they get their back pay, and you might miss out on a week or two of work, and then you get compensated for it afterwards. And. I don't think that anybody was actually prepared. I went back and, and, and read a couple of pieces about the shutdown yesterday, and some of the ones that were written on the brink of the shutdown were saying, "This isn't going to be too bad. This oh. won't be too bad. You know, this is going to yeah. be pretty quick, and it'll blow over." Yeah, and that's that's how it's that's how it's you, been. You know, and now, I mean,
1: you know what the difference is? We have a man in the White House <laughs> yeah. who does not give a rat's ass yeah. about federal employees, about working families. About the government.
3: That's the difference. This uh, is unlike any other does shutdown. not. This is different than any other shutdown we've ever seen.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, Donald Trump has decided that this is going to be his ticket to 2020. He put out a tweet yesterday saying, quote, listen to this, the attitude of this, the whole tone of it. It is becoming more and more obvious that the radical Democrats are a party of open borders and crime. They want nothing to do with the major humanitarian crisis on our southern border. All of that is all crap. And then he just adds this hashtag 2020 exclamation point, meaning this is what I'm going to run on in 2020, building the wall. My question, Mr. President, how well did that do in uh, 2018 mm-hmm. for uh, Republican candidates for the House? Yeah. So you take it to 2020. I mean, the signal to me in that is that Donald Trump would be happy to drag out the government shutdown in order to be able to use it as a political cudgel in 2020. He would keep the government shutdown for two years. And as he said, his only response to all these federal workers who are really suffering real hurts for their to themselves and their families is, They'll figure it out. They always do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he said that. No, He's I'm the leader worried. of the country. I'm not worried about them. He's I'm not giving out. any ideas.
3: Just yeah. figure it out. You, yeah, you, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but, it, it's, it, it is telling that he has learned all of the wrong lessons from his win in 2016, right, which I think he just sort of caught lightning in a bottle, and there were a lot of different factors that, that led to him becoming president. <clears throat> too many to name at this particular moment mm-hmm. but look he completely screwed up the 2018 midterms he thought that you know they could fight on health care and the border yeah. and he got absolutely trounced right and if he wants to carry this on to 2020 go ahead man
1: yeah he got lucky in the senate by the way one other uh, one other um factor in this is um more and more this is spreading in terms of the ripple effect Uh, of the shutdown to businesses that depend on uh, their customers having enough money to come in and buy a cup of coffee or buy lunch or buy dinner or buy clothes or take the bus or take the metro or whatever. Uh, So much so that even the White House yesterday estimated that the cost of the shutdown will be more than double what they first estimated. So it seems to me there are, everybody asks, how's this shutdown going to end? It's not, Don, Donald Trump is never going to uh, admit he was wrong. That's not going to happen. Repub- Demo- Donald Trump's never going to admit that. Democrats are never going to fund the wall, and they should not fund the wall. The wall is a monumentally stupid, unnecessary idea that exists. It's a manhood thing for Donald Trump. It only exists in his mind. There is no crisis at the border. Democrats, not one dime. All right, Nancy said a dollar. All right, we'll give him a dollar, right? Other way. So the shutdown is not going to end by Donald Trump caving or Democrats funding the wall. I think there are only two ways it's going to end. One is it's going to hit the economy so bad that's, that the economy goes into a tailspin. And then the Republicans finally will get enough backbone to say, look, we can't continue this any longer. It is immoral. It is irresponsible. We cannot be the party of the perpetual, never-ending shutdown, one way. The other way is, I suggested this yesterday, I'll do it again. I'm telling you, the federal employees who work for TSA and the air traffic controllers have the power to to shut down the shutdown. They stay home, air travel in this country comes to a halt, the shutdown is over. I'm telling you, that's something this country could not survive or not tolerate. It could not handle it. And they've got the power. Um, I don't understand why they are willing to come to work and work for this nutcase and not get paid. I know. I guess I know why. Because their mission is really to work for the American people. And God bless them for that. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of federal employees. Always have been. Uh, but right now, I'd like to see more of them. Yeah, just call in sick. Call in sick. See how many days... Just do it for one. Sh- even just one day. Shut sure. down air travel for one day. That would be. That would probably be enough. And you'd watch Donald Trump. He'd be running for the tall grass at the White House. I mean, you know, he'd be. That would force force him to say, "Okay, okay." And remember, the plan is right in front of him. Voted unanimously. Approved unanimously by the U.S. Senate, Republicans and Democrats, of course, before the first of the year. The plan is right in front of him, which is reopen the government and then continue to negotiate border security and and talk about the wall. Don't give him any money for the wall, but at least talk about other forms of border security. These two things are totally separate. They should not be connected in any way. They are only connected because Donald Trump has said, I want— the government to stay shut down until I get my 5.7 billion dollars. Again, the solution is reopen the government, separate the two as they should be. They're not reopen the government and debate and negotiate border security. In other words, make government work the way it should. Uh, one final point on, or a couple of final points on the shutdown before we move on. Uh, just uh, again, a big salute, a big shout out to Jose Andres. Did you see the lot, the vote, fo- dude? The lines of federal employees lining up at the World Central Kitchen here. This was not where some earthquake happened in some remote part of the world or some tsunami or not Hurricane Maria down in Puerto Rico. This was in Washington, D.C., on Pennsylvania Avenue between the Capitol and the White House. Jose Andres giving out free meals to people who are out of luck and broke and don't have a job, federal employees, and they lined up thousands of them. I,
3: I have a couple Good of friends who Good who are down there working. They, they're they chefs really? and, yeah. and restaurant yeah. people. And they're looking for more, by the way. They're looking for people who know how to cook anything, basically. Uh, and they were sharing some photos and some videos yesterday of uh, I, the gigantic crowd. I couldn't crowd. believe it. Yeah. I couldn't either. Yeah. I couldn't either. It was insane. And, it was uh, insane. And
1: as we said yesterday... Uh, Jose Andres said, not only do you come in and get a meal, but you can take out, take home for your family. Yeah. I mean, the
3: operation that they have in place of how he put it together because he has these sort of corporate offices for his his uh, restaurant company think yeah. food group is what it's called and they've completely transformed it to where there is there are monitors that say today's menu and that tells you what's on there and you have a couple of different options even and you can walk up and say i need this many meals because i have this number of people at home, and just and the way that they are churning people out.
1: And no questions asked.
3: No questions asked.
1: No. I no said. questions asked. And by the way, let's to remember, this is a Jose Andres, I mean, this man has so much moral fiber. He's the one who pulled out of the Trump International Hotel after Donald Trump made his comments about all immigrants being rapists and criminals, and Donald Trump sued him for it, right? So, so no, no doubt about who's got the moral high ground here. Uh, I, I, I said it yesterday again, I'm I, it's world central kitchen right
3: yeah uh, yeah yeah it used Just, to be DC Central kitchen but be- okay. because of all the places that he's now had to right. go and take care of the stuff I say the this world
1: Google Church. it send them a check yeah absolutely I mean, Google it send them a check. they need they need all the help they can absolutely. They, they can get uh and um a little footnote here uh Calvin Trillin I think is one of the uh, cleverest writers uh in in the in the world. And he always does a little poem every week for The Nation magazine. I love it this week. And The Nation magazine, uh, the title of the poem is A Presidential Negotiating Stance. If he can't get the wherewithal to build at once his precious wall, a wall that's thick, a wall that's tall, the strongest, toughest wall of all, then to the floor he'll surely fall and pound his little fists and brawl. <laughs> It's got a Dr. Seuss quality to yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I thought that was great. Well, um, the uh, shutdown took, uh, battle took another level yesterday when uh, the new sheriff in town, her name is Nancy Pelosi, uh, sent a little letter to the president. Interesting. Nancy didn't tell her caucus ahead of time she was going to do this. She read, she met with the caucus and read the letter. And they gave her a standing ovation. She sent a letter to the President of the United States. I'm paraphrasing, say, in effect, uh, last week I invited you to give your State of the Union address on January 29, as has become the custom uh, in the United States of America. Any president, Republican or Democrat, gets that uh, invitation to appear before senators and and House members in the House chamber uh, toward the end of January and report, as required to do by the Constitution, Uh, to the American people uh, how we're doing as a country. Uh, Every president has done this. They used to do it in writing until 1913 when Woodrow Wilson gave the first State of the Union address in person in front of Congress. And since then, with one exception, I think it was Jimmy Carter one year, things were really bad and he just sent a written report. But otherwise, every year, it's it's one of the big media events of, of the year. And a build the build up to it,. Da, 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 da. Well, so Nancy Pelosi invited the President uh, to give his State of the Union address. That was last week. Yesterday she sent him a letter saying, in light of the government shutdown, the fact that the shutdown continues, um, we think you should reconsider the State of the Union. Basically, she said, you're no longer invited. And there will be no State of the Union unless you reopen the government. What a great move, what a bold move, what a brilliant move for a couple of reasons. It's a power play for it's sure. It's a power play for sure, a total power play. But it underscores again how inappropriate it is to pretend that this is business as usual when 800,000 federal employees are either furloughed or working, forced to work, and come to work and get no paycheck for it. How can you just pretend that everything is normal and go ahead and With the same old tra-la-la and phony pageantry when these people are really hurting. And secondly, it's a way of showing showing to uh, Donald Trump, um, who's in charge? Mr. President, you just can't do whatever you want to do and have your way anymore. It's a new day in Washington, and you're going to have to recognize that, and you're going to have to play. And if not, go stay in the White House and sulk. Yeah. Fall on the floor and pound your fist. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get a State of the Union address. And certainly she's saying, I'm not gonna sit up there in back of you and pretend everything's normal. No. So uh and by the way, without without her, okay, without the Democrats issuing that invitation, there will be no State of the Union address. Uh you know, there's a side of this too, is I think we'll all be better off it's gotten to the point where it's really silly frank and we've said that every year. i mean the, the members of congress they they act like school kids you know jumping up and down <laughs> and you know and so it's just it's just become almost a meaningless pageantry
3: yeah i agree with you 100% yeah
1: i think we'd be better off without it yeah send a report up or whatever so my prediction is the shutdown will not be over uh, there will be no State of the Union address, but Donald Trump will come up with some BS alternative. He'll give a—well, first of all, he may try to give a talk from the Oval Office. I was going to say— The networks will not—boy, they better not give him time for that. I don't think they would.
3: I don't know, man. I don't know. I bet that, they, that's
1: right. That's a question, but yeah. that's one thing he may try to do. I think this time the networks would say, hey, dude—pardon me. I would hope that they would say, hey, dude, last time we gave that to you, you just made a political speech— and filled, filled with lies, we're not going to do it again.
3: I appreciate your optimism. Okay. I, mean, I appreciate your optimism. You know I mean?
1: I am the eternal optimist. <laughs> or he could give it at the Trump Hotel. Sure. I mean, you could find some other place. Yeah. Um, John Kennedy, uh, Kennedy uh, Senator Kennedy from uh, uh, Louisiana yesterday, not the brightest bulb in the pack, <laughs> uh, he said, well, if they don't want to do it in the House, we'll do it in the Senate. Let them do it in the Great. Senate. No cameras are allowed in the Senate. You think Donald Trump's going to give a speech with no cameras? Hell no. And by the way, Senate chamber's pretty small. They're not going to get all the House members in there. Right. No. No. So that's not going to happen. There, As long as the shutdown goes on, there will be no State of the Union address. It, and I think we're better off because of it.
3: It, it really needs to be said, again, mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who doubted whether or not Nancy Pelosi was the right choice oh, for God. a speaker, I think. I think now any doubts should be erased. Yeah. I think this was a great move. I think that she has the power and the ability to unify the Democratic Party more than anybody else that inhabits the Democratic Party. Full on. What's the old Will Rogers quote? I don't belong to any organized political party. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Democrat.
1: Yeah. Which is most of the time it's true. Most the of case. the time
3: it's true. It's yeah. not true for Nancy Pelosi, man. No.
1: no. She knows what she's doing, man. She, and you know, I I was reading this morning. Donald Trump just figured with Nancy that like any of the people that he was dealing with in the New York real estate world, that he could just mow her down, right? Yeah, just by by the force of his personality. Mm-mm. Nancy's more than his equal in terms of standing up to him. Totally love it. Uh, some very sad news yesterday. Tragic news out of Syria. Where a suicide bomber, boy, the video of that, just uh, walk looking on the street, and you can see this guy with his vest on coming down the street, a uh, suicide bomber in front of a very popular restaurant there, a restaurant where uh, American troops on patrol um, frequently stopped in. It was their, one of their favorite spots, and many, many times you could count on them. They'd be uh, at that particular time of day, lunch hour, uh, they'd park their— vehicles and go in for lunch. They did yesterday four Americans, killed two American soldiers, one civilian contractor, uh, one contractor and one civilian employee at the Defense Department. Um, And um, 15 um, of Syrian people in that restaurant were also killed, at least 15 other people killed. Uh, This comes, of course, uh, less than a month. Oh, and ISIS claimed responsibility. ISIS did this. This comes less than a month after Donald Trump said that ISIS had been defeated, ISIS basically no longer existed, and um, announced that he was pulling all American troops out of um, Syria within thirty days, he said at that time. He since has left it open ended. And just less just about two hours after word of this bombing and the loss of four lives. More Americans that have been lost in Syria so far. Uh, After that news hit yesterday, just two hours later, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, doesn't, he's he and the president have both been briefed on what happened. Nonetheless, he gives a speech with this declaration.
0: We are bringing our troops home. The caliphate has crumbled and ISIS has been defeated.
1: How can he say that? ISIS has been ISIS has not been defeated, um, and I don't know whether they've seen it. By the way, that that proves it. One thing, I don't know whether they've seen any of the reports on CBS News. I've been watching from Charles Charlie Dagata, who is inside of Syria, and he was on the front lines yesterday uh, for the remaining ISIS territory with Kurdish troops and American advisors, and boy, it is. It is open warfare. It is active combat. The war is still going on in Syria. ISIS, they may be on their way out, but I mean, on t- in terms, terms of loss of territory, ISIS has not been defeated. ISIS, ISIS has been defeated. No, it hasn't, Mr. Vice President. Um, I thought it was very uh, telling, too, that um, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, Donald Trump's new BFF, yesterday, as chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee used his position as chair to interrupt the hearings of Bill Barr to be the next attorney general, confirmed, I mean, nominated to be, for Lindsey Graham to basically scold the president and say, we told you that Syria was not over. We told you it was a mistake to get out of Syria. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Now, maybe you're willing to admit you were wrong and we were right.
0: ISIS has been
1: defeated. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Mr. Sycophant, Mike <laughs> Pence. How bad? How it's, bad? T- I mean, get? this is
3: terrible. It's not funny. It's terrible that that they just blatantly go out there and push this, even though they know it's not true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, one final front is that um, we heard from uh, Chris, Kirsten Gillibrand yesterday. Uh, she is. Uh, t- 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 the night before last, remember, we played the clip yesterday. She went on with Stephen Colbert on CBS and said that she was forming an exploratory committee. Um, but it didn't take her long to decide whether the exploratory committee is going to end up as her, with her as a candidate. She was up in Troy, New York yesterday, basically saying, no, yeah, I'm running.
4: I'm going to run for president of the United States because as a young mom, I will fight for your children as hard as I would fight for my
1: own. There she is. So <laughs> that exploratory to committee run. lasted eight hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she probably never even formed a whole committee, right? Yeah. No. That was just a, that was a fig leaf. And you sure. know what?
3: Honestly, great. If you're running yeah. for president, just say you're running for president. F- Get Explor- out there and go do it.
1: B S exploratory committee, right? I mean, these days? No, people don't like right. go for that. No. At one time that was a clever move. Like fifty years ago, right. I don't know, or thirty years ago or something. Today, who are you kidding? Yeah. Right. You're either going to run or you're not going to run. Yeah. Yeah. Just say it. It's just, I mean, listening tour. Come on. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're running for president. Just say it.
1: Are you kidding? Okay. Um, So, uh, again, uh, reports that the president is sulking privately because he thinks he's getting crushed over the shutdown. What's really going on down at the White House? Elena Plot knows. She's a White House correspondent for The Atlantic. Uh, Joining us next here. On the Bill Press Show. Uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, pick up on the other side. Don't go away. This is the Bill Press Show. And on a Thursday, January 17, hello, 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 great to have you with us today. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, today brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. They are a proud union family that uh, feeds, uh, serves, and uh, protects and provides for American working families across the country at our great uh, grocery chains nationwide. Check out their website at ufcw.org and join me in welcoming here to the studio. Elena Plott covers the White House for the Atlantic. Um, and, uh, you know, lots going on down at the White House these days as they're. Privately and publicly, trying to deal with the shutdown among other priorities, uh, Elena. It's very good to see you. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming for having in. Me, Bill. We uh, have been at it for a little while here and uh, stirring up some dust as we go along. Peter? Yes, indeed. We're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP
3: Show. Lots of comments here. Uh, Lots of people reacting to your comments, Bill, Uh about how uh, air traffic controllers or TSA should just not show up for work. If they're not being paid, they shouldn't show up. At least for one day,
1: I said. Uh,
3: Yeah. KG says, Bill, I agree with you. The working people need to flex their power uh tom also says even if the tsa had a sick out at one major hub for one day that might be enough to achieve the shutdown sure. uh, the shutdown of the shutdown yeah do like, you look know, if charlotte or atlanta or, o'hare o'hare or LaGuardia, yeah. any yeah. of these major yeah. hubs right if they had a sick out at just one place that That's would be right. enough to disrupt all the right. entire
1: the, these are all good refinements which i Uh, Amendments to my motion, which I accept. (laughs) Yes. Okay.
3: Although uh, Luna says if the TSA stays home, that actually might give Trump some room to declare a national emergency. And then that would be worse. Just the Mm. pessimist out there. Uh, He had his
1: chance to declare a national emergency. He said he he was going to do it last Friday, and he didn't.
3: Yeah, he did. If you have a comment on any topic at any time, find us on Twitter at BP
1: Show. All right. Yes, we love hearing from you. So uh, send those comments in. Uh, so Elena, what's the the word at? The, by the way, you know, uh, I'm sure it's really tough for you these days because uh, you gotta you gotta run down to the White House every day for the White House briefings, right? I mean, oh, uh,
5: there's so many. It yeah. makes my um, just day to day reporting deadlines really difficult.
1: How long has it been since the last briefing?
5: Oh my God, maybe. Um,
1: about a month. Huh?
5: I would say a month because they had that one that they called last minute. It was within yeah. 24 hours that or three hours that they called everybody there.
1: Oh, that was the one with Donald Trump, right?
5: I think when he poked When he, me,
1: he, he came in. yeah, Yes, I didn't, it yes. Wasn't, but if you weren't at the White House, you didn't make that right. one. Right,
5: and I remember um, people were saying that it was the first one that he had actually addressed the press corps for, and then a lot of conservatives on Twitter pushed back and said, no, he actually did poke his head in once. So that <laughs> wasn't accurate. <laughs>
1: But the last one with Sarah Huckabee <laughs> Sanders was about mid-December, yes, I think. Yes, yeah. uh, but before, I was there, but I forget. But before
5: that, it had been ages. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's
1: been one in October, one in November, mm-hmm. one in December so far, and none mm-hmm. yet in January. Right. Other than the president speaking to reporters on the way out to, to Marine One, right. which is And not, it's
5: not like we have a lot going on no. or anything.
1: exactly right. <laughs> no, not the same thing. So— um, what do you pick up from your reporting and people you've talked to about how are they dealing with the shutdown? Do they rec- Do they think they're winning this battle, and are they really looking for a way out?
5: I actually talked to a source yesterday who's really close with Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, who does believe that the president is winning right now. Um, but I think your, actually your point about TSA agents um, is an interesting one. A couple of weeks ago, um, when this really started Feeling endless. I talked to a former senior White House official who said, from what he knows of Trump, what would actually cause this to end is receiving enormous public pressure um, based on like the optics of a TSA sick out at a major hub. Or this person pointed out to me, you know, the minute that reports start rolling out that people are getting evicted from public mm-hmm. housing. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that pres- that the president would see on CNN or MSNBC and tell his advisors, we've got to just wrap this up. Right. Um, this is just not looking good for me anymore.
1: Well, it's re- there were reports today and yesterday that um – while the president maintains this public stance of, this is good for me, mm-hmm. this is good for the party, this is a political win, he put out that tweet yesterday saying, 2020, yeah. yeah, I'm going to win on this on 2020, that you mentioned Mick Mulvaney, that privately he told, complained to Mick Mulvaney, we're getting crushed, mm-hmm. why can't we get a deal, and starting to blame his people that that they're still in this mess, when really it's his fault I think we're still in this mess, but... So that inner inner frustration, maybe inside, you know, behind the scenes frustration.
5: I think it's certainly easy to intuit the president's frustrations, um, simply because these are not great headlines for him, and they haven't been for what twenty seven days now. They, you know, they've been unilaterally negative. What he's hearing, though, from people like Mulvaney, and also from people on his campaign, is that the wall was the most tangible promise of his 2016 campaign. And if he can't follow through on that, whether it's a national emergency, which I don't think, like you said, is likely at this point, or um, finding some way to spend the uh, end of a shutdown as a secure for wall funding, um, they think 2020 really is in jeopardy. They think if they cannot find some way to spend this as advancement of his wall priorities that there is nothing for him to run on
1: well uh okay on that point just (laughs) uh speaking to them necessarily but my my response to them would be uh number one they're wrong um that this is not a political win for the president all the current opinion polls show absolutely he gets the Mm -hmm. blame republicans get the blame not democrats and that's those numbers are just going to grow the longer the shutdown continues Secondly, I think he's wrong in that Donald Trump's base. I think they're wrong in that Donald Trump's base is never going to abandon him. If he doesn't get the wall, they'll blame it. He and they will blame it on Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi, or mm-hmm. blame it on Mitch McConnell, or blame it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right? They'll, never, not him. They don't. His the most famous words he ever said. The truest words, rather, he ever said were he could choose somebody on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> And his base would still stay with him. Oh my
5: gosh, him. that feels so long ago. That I know. That. Yeah.
1: But his base—his point was, he's right, his base will stay with him no matter what. Yeah. And um, so I think for, for, for the third reason he's wrong, I think they're wrong rather again, is because his promise was not, I'm going to build a wall. Only it was I'm going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for well, it. Well,
5: I don't know if you heard Bill, but the um, renegotiated NAFTA is oh, actually going really? to be Oh, really? Oh, that's right. God, how could for I forget? It. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
1: But well, my point is he's already broken his promise, half of it. Yeah. So, you know, BFP. Well, the, I
5: mean, it's an interesting point because so much of this presidency is wrapped up in sort of a call and response to conservative media. But there is a delineation between somebody like but, Ann Coulter and Trump's base writ large in terms of people who are going to turn out to the polls for him, even though um, – I I do think it's correct reporting that Trump's decision to abandon his deal with the Senate to just pass through a CR, a clean CR, in December and avoid a shutdown was a response to the likes of Ann Coulter and Laura Ingram blowing up his feed saying – this is not at all why I voted for this person. But the average voter in, say, where I'm from, Alabama, is not going to you know think about whether there's actually visible footage of a wall along the Mexican border when they're considering whether to turn out in November 2020.
1: Right. Um, so um, Robert Mueller has poked up his, uh, not Mueller himself, but the whole Mueller investigation has come back kind of big time. Um, the last thing I think the president wants to talk about, there was, um so the issue of collusion comes up. We haven't heard a lot from Rudy Giuliani lately. I don't know whether you saw this, but Rudy Giuliani did appear with Chris Cuomo, who on CNN last mm-hmm. night and and they get into this back and forth. It goes on for a while, but we'll play it over collusion and who colluded and uh, because well, and so this is in the wake of Robert Mueller pointing out that Paul Manafort, they're, they're still investigating the fact that he actually, we know, was doing business, colluding with, if you will, of the Russian oligarch or Ukrainian people who are tied to the Kremlin or Russian oligarchs themselves. So here's Chris Cuomo and Rudy Giuliani last night
2: false reporting is saying that there has been no suggestion of any kind of collusion between the campaign and any Russians. Because now you have Paul Manafort giving poll data that winds up leading to this coincidence. Well, you
0: just misstated my position. I never said there was no collusion between the campaign or between people in the campaign. I have have. no idea. I have not. I said the president of the United States, there is not a single bit of evidence the president of the United States committed the only crime you could commit here conspired with the russians to hack the dnc first of all there crime is not, is not day, the bar
2: of accountability for a president it's about what you knew well, he didn't collude what was with right Russia and either. what was wrong and what did you deceive about the those are going to be major deceive. considerations
0: the president did not well, He said nobody had any contact tons of <laughs> people had contact nobody
2: colluded the guy running his campaign he didn't say was nobody working on an issue he at the same time as the didn't. convention
0: he said he didn't. He didn't say nobody. How would you know that nobody in your campaign- He actually did say that.
1: Actually, he did. I mean, over and over. You remember, mm-hmm. I remember, President Trump said, nobody in my operation, nobody in the campaign, mm-hmm. nobody in the transition, nobody in the White House had any contact with Russians. And of course, they, they started falling apart. You know, the, the meeting at Trump Tower, Donnie Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, Jeff Sessions. I mentioned Jared Kushner. Yeah, of course. Uh, Michael Flynn, first one, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess what this shows us is the Mueller investigation is not over yet, right?
5: No, not over. And also, you know, I think the clip you just played will be a pretty seminal moment when we look back about um, at how Trump and his associates began moving the goalpost with regard to what was actually um incriminating vis-a-vis collusion, because you'll remember I think the first big moment with Rudy Giuliani speaking on air about collusion was when he argued that collusion wasn't necessarily a crime. Mm -hmm. So he kind of put out Mm -hmm. that blanket statement that, you know, even if something touching collusion is found, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it was illegal. And now we're saying, you know, not only is it not really a crime, but it's not that we never said that Trump himself did it. It's, um, you know, perhaps his associates did. I mean, that's the subtext of Giuliani's statement, of course. I'm only mad that I didn't get any of those quotes myself because I called Rudy earlier yesterday Uh and um, he was perfectly delightful, but he told me that he was playing golf at the moment and just couldn't talk to me about things and that he would call me back later and alas, I was ghosted. Um, So I'm jealous that Chris Cuomo got those great quotes.
1: Well, you should be. I would take that (laughs) as a personal affront, right? I know, I know. Well, um, yesterday we had in the studio Niall Stanage, right, from The Hill. Who did talk to Rudy last week? Where was he playing golf? Why it was cold yesterday. I didn't ask him. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, Rudy told Niall Stanish last week that he felt that the White House had a uh, a right to edit the Mueller report right. before it became public. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. to correct the Mueller report before it came, which is absurd. But mm-hmm. yeah, asserting that, yeah. Uh, so this is the same. You know, um, Rudy Giuliani, who is the one who said, oh yeah, Donald Trump paid for, uh, reimbursed Michael Cohen Mm -hmm. for the payments to Stormy Daniels after the president had denied knowing anything about it. Um, This is the same Rudy who said, he probably paid other women, uh, if necessary, not to talk about their affairs, right? Now Rudy Giuliani who's saying, Oh uh, yeah, everybody else might have colluded but the president you, you hear those things and you wonder who would hire Rudy Giuliani as it's your lawyer. It's the same comment
5: that people made when I um actually it was the day that I was on this show remember that in real time Trump responded That's to right. my report um, yes. when Rudy yes. had told me that it was a nightmare for them to try and answer Mueller's written questions and I remember on Morning Joe the next day I um I think it was Mika who said I just would not want my lawyers saying this to reporters at all. But then again, you have to wonder, is is this Trump conflating, you know, sage legal counsel with what drums up ratings on television? Yeah, I mean, that was a fascinating television segment. Well, no,
1: no, no, for sure. (laughs) I I mean, I do think, I've said this before, that uh, Trump hired Rudy Giuliani not as a lawyer. He hired him as a TV performer Mm -hmm. and to be out there and, and, and defending him. And he's good at that. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not. I don't think he's that good at it, but he loves it at any rate. Uh, And he does make a good guest, a colorful guest. I think he, again, talks too much. But at any rate, Um, last week, no, two weeks ago, I guess it was, maybe a little more, Donald Trump was interviewing people for chief of staff, the job of chief of staff. And one of those he interviewed before he ended up just giving a job to Mick Mulvaney, who will take any job and has I don't know how many jobs in the White House. And one of the people he interviewed was Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. Now, so within the last month, Donald Trump has interviewed Chris Christie to be chief of staff. And Chris Christie actually took the train down from New Jersey to talk to Donald Trump about the job Mm -hmm. of chief of staff. Yesterday, Chris Christie released a book um, called Let Me Finish. It's a t- I love the title of the book. Here it is. It's so Chris Christie, the title of the book. Let me finish. Trump, the Kushners, Bannon, New Jersey, and the power of in-your-face politics. Boy, that says it all, doesn't it? Right there. That is so Chris Christie. Mm-hmm. That's the t- And in the book, he says that Donald Trump is surrounded by a revolving door of grif- grifters, felons, amateurs and weaklings and the biggest problem he says in the White House is the kid Mm. Jared Kushner (laughs) Mm. (laughs) this is the guy that Donald Trump was considering really as chief of staff and if Chris Christie feels that way about the Trump White House that he would even entertain being chief of staff this is,
5: this is crazy there are two competing narratives about that interview um People close to Trump were quick to say that they actually brought Christie down from New Jersey um, for the purposes of humiliating him. That it was a Jared orchestrated sort of "let's bring him down and bait him to think once more that he's on the cusp of a job with us." Dump him one more time. Then pull out the rug from under him. I happen to think, based on my reporting, that that's not actually true, that Chris Christie just didn't want the job but did do the president the courtesy of coming to talk to him face-to-face about it. I mean, Chris Christie's
1: not dumb.
5: No, of course not.
1: He he seems to me he would know if he was...
5: Chris Christie also, but
1: still, why come down for that job? He he must have known he wasn't going to get it too.
5: But I also think that Chris Christie is um, petty enough and still nurses his own enough of a grudge with Jared Kushner and the Kushner family that he may have relished being the one to say no in person. Um, so, you have both sides sort of saying mm-hmm. that this was all predetermined, that there was never a chance, one way or the other, that Chris Christie would become chief of staff, but rather it was either side trying to use it for their own respective um, motives of humiliation.
1: It reminds me a little about Mitt Romney having dinner to talk about being secretary of state. There was no way Trump right. was going to make him secretary of state. Right. So, you know, why did Mitt even go through that?
5: I don't don't know if it's still just um, old notions of protocol or what.
1: But it's pretty clear that Jared Kushner's beef with Chris Christie is that Christie put his daddy in jail.
5: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's no question about it.
1: I'll tell you one thing. I'll say this. If Chris Christie had been left in charge of the transition, there are a lot of people who were in the Trump White House or still were or are still in the Trump White House who never would have gotten jobs.
5: Oh no, of course. Um, But I'll
1: give Christie that.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: There's a great book called The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis.
1: Oh, yeah, Uh, the new book, right?
3: And he his newest book. He he writes about (laughs) how Chris Christie had done a very, very effective, good job with the transition. He made sure that guys like Michael Flynn. Uh, were kept outside of the administration, he wouldn't have a job in the administration that way. All of the problems that came with Michael Flynn would not plague the Trump White House. And when Jared Kushner had the chance, he not only got rid of Chris Christie, he got rid of everybody, all of the quote-unquote good hires Mm -hmm. that Christie had made. Yeah. And so then that allowed guys like Michael Flynn and all of these other goblins to come back in and and just create all this headache for the White
1: House. Well, left Mike Pence in charge, who is incompetent and and certainly would not cross Donald Trump on anybody Trump wanted to bring in.
3: And it really all comes back to, as Chris Christie says, the kid, Jared Kushner. (laughs) Jared Kushner not only wanted Chris Christie out of the picture, he wanted everybody who was associated with Chris Christie out of the
1: picture. Love it that he calls him. The kid. The kid. Um, An embarrassment yesterday, a tragedy for Americans, and an embarrassment for the president, um, on uh, with this suicide bombing in um, Syria coming less than a month after Donald Trump said ISIS is gone, no longer exists, we've destroyed them. Uh, Four Americans killed, and roughly two hours later, Vice President Mike Pence, speaking of him, we are bringing,
0: bringing our troops home. The caliphate has crumbled and ISIS has been defeated.
1: Why would he go out and say that, right? You know, within hours of four Americans being killed in Syria. I He, don't... he had been briefed on it. He and Trump had both been briefed on it.
5: Yeah, um, Pence has been quite... Pence-like throughout this shutdown and, you know, everything that has happened externally. Um, Donald Trump really, I think, has used him as a pawn in many ways to go and ensure assure the American people that any decisions he's made related, whether it's about Syria or the shutdown, um, anything, is actually a good decision because he feels that People respond to him as the calm and sober-minded counterpart to himself. And he actually knows that he would probably fail to defend his own decision um, if he had to talk about it, about withdrawing from Syria. Um, So he has Pence go and do something like that. And Pence is never going to say no to that.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the ultimate acolyte, right? Mm -hmm. Just whatever the message is. I'll go out and deliver it.
5: Right. And the thing about this White House is in the aftermath of a suicide bombing, their their thought is not, okay, well, was this a prudent decision for us to consider withdrawing from Syria so quickly and maybe we should reverse course? It's not that. It's how can we do optics control immediately Mm -hmm. um, and reassure people that this was, in fact, the right call?
1: Uh, And so the president got um, a surprise yesterday, a letter from uh, Speaker Pelosi saying... Uh, I invited you last week to give the State of the Union. I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, she didn't. She wasn't that strong, but she did say, in in essence, no. I mean, sh- shutdown continues unless there's an end to the shutdown. There'll be no State of the Union. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard from the White House since. What, what No, are they and I you?
5: I reached out to sources in the Legislative Affairs Office yesterday, and of course they're tasked with writing the State of the Union, um, right. much of it, and. They had no idea what they thought would happen. I saw that CBS was reporting this morning that the White House is considering whether Mitch McConnell can invite Trump to do it within the Senate chamber as opposed to the House chamber.
1: No cameras allowed in the Senate chamber. No
5: cameras allowed, um, which again goes to show kind of what we're working with in terms of institutional memory (laughs) within the Trump White House.
1: By the way, I think that uh, I may be wrong, but I'll double check right as soon as I can. That both the Senate and the House have to pass a resolution inviting the president for a State of the Union in front of a joint session to happen.
5: That's interesting. I um, And
1: if, if that's the case, the House yeah. is never going to do that.
5: No, of course. And I, I don't know actually the particularities of what it takes to set up the State of the Union address. What I do know is that it wasn't until 1913 that yeah. these were actually you know delivered yeah. and publicized right. they were you know written and delivered to members so the president may have no choice but to go that sort of route and they may defend it on those historical grounds but Like I said, my sources in the White House have no idea what's going to happen.
1: Right. But it certainly proved once again to the president that there is a new power in town.
5: Yes, there is. A preview of what's to come.
1: And her name, Nancy Pelosi. Elena Platt, so good to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Let's get back to work. When we come back from the DNC looking ahead of 2020, Sabrina Singh joins us. Take a break for the news and then right back with you. This is the Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Nancy Pelosi writes a letter to Donald Trump. Mr. President, you want to give your State of the Union? Open the government up first, otherwise there will be no State of the Union. Take that, Donald Trump. What do you say, everybody, on a Thursday, January 17? Here we are. Uh, The Bill Press Show. So good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us here as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day. There's a lot of it, as always, never a dull day in Trump world, as we say, uh, with the hearings for William Barr, the president's nominee to be the next attorney general of the United States, wrapping up yesterday. Can you believe anything he said? Yes, that um, pretty uh, surprising and bold letter, a real power play on the part of Nancy Pelosi to the President of the United States, in effect rescinding her invitation to give a State of the Union address on January 29, and tragic loss of four Americans at a suicide bombing in Syria brought about by ISIS Um, and, um, ISIS, yes, the same ISIS that Donald Trump told us less than a month ago had ceased to exist, had been totally crushed, totally destroyed. And Mike Pence making that claim again yesterday, even after the loss of four Americans. So much to talk about, so much you are going to want to comment on. So send us your comments on Twitter at BP show, whether it's about the shutdown, which, which carries on into its 27th day or Bill Barr, or Nancy Pelosi in the State of the Union. Your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And we'll get back to the news of the day, but first... This is the Full Court Press.
3: All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, we got a real problem in Norway, and other Scandinavian Uh-oh. countries, Uh-oh. for that Uh-oh. matter. Uh-oh. There Uh-oh. are not enough babies Fish. being born. There are really? not enough babies being born. Now, they have... It's mean, cold. Well... You know. I know a couple ways to warm up. <laughs> but this, this is sort of their their model of how their country's run. It's funded by taxpayers. They have this yeah. welfare model. And, of course, if you don't have enough uh, citizens of the country, that model is not going to work. So yesterday, the prime minister of Norway spoke about this and said, we need you to start having babies and then said, quote, I don't think... I need to tell anyone how this is done. Yes, I think <laughs> I think we all know how that happens. Uh-huh. And she's pushing and saying, we really would like for you to have more kids. Now, they have not gotten to the point where they're going to incentivize it quite yet, but they're just saying, look, we need to have more kids in the country. Time to do your, your national duty. Have some children.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe they should invite some Chinese over, right? Because in China, they're only allowed to have one. That's right. Right. That's
3: right. So they could just, you know, they could the whole That thing. used to be used their to be policy. The yeah, I
1: don't know whether it still is or not. But so. There you go. I, I just solved that problem. What else can we solve today? Here we go. <laughs> well, YouTube has
3: taken a, a lot of interesting steps recently to outlaw dangerous videos, not just with uh, political hate speech and things like that. But yesterday they actually banned something else. They are banning dangerous prank videos. Uh, people are trying to do oh, stunts yes, and yes, stupid yes. things, hold my beer while they do these right. dumb yeah, stunts. Yeah. And YouTube said, actually, we are not going to host those anymore. The most recent sort of wave of them came after the Netflix movie Bird Box where you have to... Uh, people are doing stunts based on like uh, them blindfolding themselves and then trying to do things like drive, which is not a good idea. And so yeah, YouTube I has said, that. we are yeah. banning this altogether. If you do this, we're not going to allow it. We're going to take the videos down. I think that's probably a good idea.
1: You know, um, yesterday I was on the Metro going downtown, and uh, the dr- driver said, um, we're going to have to stop here at the station and wait for a while because there was a man on the tracks.
3: Oh, jeez, come on.
1: Now I wonder, maybe that guy was some bird box. Like. for the views. This is the Bill Press Show. It is day 27 of the Trump shutdown. And again, no end in sight uh, because uh, the spoiled brat in the White House is still on his temper tantrum and says, give me my $5.7 billion or we will continue the government shutdown. In fact, now he is actually indicating that uh, he wants the shutdown to continue maybe all the way to 2020 so he can run Uh, for re-election on the man who stood up uh, for the wall and against government workers, against the government, against the American people. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It's Thursday, January 17. Great to see you today with lots and lots to talk about here as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, joining you with the news of the day and joining you, of course, online on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com. Slash the Bill Press Show. Check it out. And don't forget, sign up for our podcast. Looking at you on television, free speech TV, and uh, joining you on the radio. Out in Chicago, the whole great city of Chicago and the uh, greater Chicago area on WCPT, the big progressive voice of Chicago. Uh, politically, every day, it seems, we can report uh, a new candidate jumping into the 2020 race. Uh, and again, as we mentioned yesterday, Donald Trump gearing up for 2020 as well on the Republican side, um, big days for the Democratic National Committee, the deputy communications director for the DNC, Sabrina Singh joins us here in studio. Sabrina, it's good to see you.
4: Good to see you. I haven't seen you in the new year, so happy I know. new year.
1: That's it. <laughs> the first time you see each other in the new year. Exactly.
4: Yes. So. Ha- thank you for having me.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's nice. Of you. Good of you to come in. And um, so everybody's gearing up, right? I mean, this is starting early. The chairman, uh, Tom Perez, our good friend, has been, last time he was in, saying that he was working on the schedule uh, for the debates already. I mean, this is early 2019, and you're talking about the debates for the next presidential?
4: We are. We're excited. We are, you know, doing things very differently from how it was done in 2016. Thank you. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are, you know, I, Tom has really made it his priority to be fair and transparent. So I think the earlier, the better in terms of getting out there and announcing our debate schedule.
1: Isn't it maybe? Well, so, OK, let me. So when do they start?
4: So they will. St- um, well, we haven't. Uh, uh, the first debate, I believe, will start in June um, is what we have announced. And um, June
1: 2020.
4: No, June 2019. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. We have announced 12 debates. Um And uh, so those will uh, start, you know, this year and none of the debates this year are going to be in any of the early states. Only uh, the early states will have those debates in 2020. And what we are doing here is just you know, we want to be transparent. We know many candidates are going to be jumping in. And so we are setting these debates and having conversations with networks and other partners early. And it's a really exciting time. Um, And so I think Tom and his team at the DNC has done an incredible job about reaching out to so many people, um, whether it's networks or previous campaigns, just to get their feedback. Um, And we're just really excited. And we know that it's going to be a crowded. Uh, debate stage, uh, which is why you know we're not going to do a tiered system. Uh, we're we're literally going to draw names <laughs> out of a hat, or you know, randomize names and um, debates depending on how many people are declare to run. Uh, if it's seven people, if it's twenty people, um, we are going to have you know, debates on consecutive nights. So, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it is. But there's not going to be a JV varsity debate. It's going Mm. to be completely fair. Um, And and we're excited about that.
1: So in 2016 and and beyond and before, I think, whoever was in the main stage, right, it depended on – their popularity in public mm-hmm. opinion polls, right? right? If they had to have above, like, 10% or 15%, right. or so, even to be included, and then right. when they had the JV and the varsity, those who had the highest approval rate or the highest, uh, they really name identification, that's yeah. all, their ID thing. Yeah. Those who had the highest ranking in the right. polls, got on the main stage, those who didn't right. got on. So you're not going to do it that way.
4: We're not going to do it that way. <laughs> and, I, and I think many Republican candidates- hat. Well, I- Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Names out of a hat, names out of a box. However, I don't know how we're going to how we're going to determine how we draw the names, but it's going to be random, Um, uh, although it would be fun to draw it out of a hat. Just seeing how the Virginia delegate uh, special election was called Flip a coin, flip a coin. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So we I I think many of the Republican candidates felt that it was very unfair the way that debate process worked. Um, And so we're really trying to do the opposite of that. Um, And we're trying to make it as fair and uh, transparent as possible, which is why we just want to make it random. Um, You know, if if it's whoever it is on the first and second night, it doesn't it's not going to be a JV and varsity team. It is going to be just completely fair.
1: Uh, So if the first one's in June, Mm. isn't that too? Will everybody be in by then?
4: Maybe not. But at least we've set the deadline. I mean, at least we've set the start date so people know that they can, um, you know, start preparing and, and getting ready for that. I think, um, you know, being honest about it is and being upfront with any candidate that's potentially going to announce is um, the right thing to do. So, you know, setting the schedule early, we have not announced dates or where they're going to be, but that's something that should be coming in the next month or two. Um, and I know Tom's working with his team on that.
1: How many candidates are you like internally right Mm -hmm. what's your number how many do you see running
4: you know it really fluctuates every day we i think it's going to be a double digit field um but i don't know it could be anywhere from 14 to 20 to more um and you know there are candidates that have already said that they're not running uh and then there are candidates that i think not enough (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> and then there are candidates that are, you know, going to start making their considerations and plans um, and, and start planning for, you know, what their campaigns look like. And that might be closer to the first debate. And that's OK. Um, that's what they want to do. And so we're just excited to have as many people in the field.
1: Uh, so um, the, the latest on uh, um, who said she was forming an exploratory committee, mm-hmm. uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand yeah. from uh, New York. Now, so the night before last, she said, I'm forming an exploratory committee. Uh huh. Which usually means you get a committee of donors, usually, you raise money mm-hmm. and you go around the country, whatever, and you decide and it, it test the waters, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And decide, okay, am I going to go the next step? Right. Okay. The night before, she told Stephen Colbert, I'm forming an exploratory committee. Here's what she said in Troy, New York. Yesterday,
4: I'm going to run for president of the United States because as a young mom, I will fight for your children as hard as I would fight for my own.
1: So that exploratory committee didn't last too long, did it?
4: <laughs> well, I, th- I, I think, you know, I, I think she's still exploring, but she's made it very clear that she wants to run. Um, she says, I'm running. Yeah, I, I, it's very exciting. You know, we're so excited uh, to have more women uh, being part of this process and wanting to throw their names um, into the ring and, and, and you know, declare that they want to run for president. That's a huge step. And, you know, we only had one woman do it lo- uh, in 2016. The fact that there are going to be multiple women, uh, m- multiple candidates of color, I think is really shows the the depth and the breadth of the Democratic Party.
1: So uh, of the 20 mm-hmm. or so, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Um certainly the DNC is going to pick its favorite and so which of which is of the which candidate is the favorite of the DNC Oh
4: Bill I'll have to correct you there we are not picking any favorites here that was a we have no favoritism trick no we question. are completely Unlike the last out. time right <laughs> well, yeah. we are staying completely out of this uh you know the job of the DNC and you know something that you touched on at the top of the show is is to really hold the Trump administration accountable while the candidates start to define themselves and present themselves to the american people and so we are all right now focused on what did you say day 27 of the shutdown um that is the dnc's focus we need to keep holding the administration accountable and you know keep building our voter database and uh refining our technology technological tools and making the dnc the strongest infrastructure possible so that when we do have a nominee uh they they can take the dnc's you know work and infrastructure and have a really strong base, um, and that's that's what we're there for. Uh, so we are staying completely out of this primary, <laughs> uh,
1: as you should. Yes. Uh, other than providing, yeah. you know, the foundation uh, and the right. platform for the candidates to have a fair shot at reaching exactly the the Democratic voters, exactly. So Democratic voters, um, Sabrina sings with us from the DNC. It's Democrats Democrats.org. org. Democrats dot org. Um, so. Um, Yesterday, uh, a, a, a kind of a surprise landed on Donald Trump's desk. A letter so from many the prizes. Yeah, the a letter from the uh, Speaker of the House uh-huh. of Representatives, yeah. who a week before had invited the president to um, give a State of the Union address. Right. Yesterday she's saying, mm, maybe it's not a good idea. It's certainly not maybe. It's not a good idea. No State of the Union unless if the government's shut down right. still continues.
4: I completely agree. Uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi, um, you know, has every right to to make sure that um, one, the nation's capital is safe, and that the president is safe. Uh, and I, I think it'd be inappropriate to give a State of the Union when you're in the middle of the, a government shutdown. I mean, you're you would literally be giving the State of the Union in the very building that is responsible for funding the government. It's a it's a strange irony there um, and so you know we are on day 27 this is the longest shutdown in US history uh, Donald Trump goes on rants and says he's fine doing this for months or even years I mean that's crazy we're talking about over 800,000 workers that are not getting a paycheck I mean these are people that are living not only paycheck to paycheck but you know you're talking about rent car payments uh, you know children's schools how how can you tell these workers that you don't matter enough for us to just reopen the government. Um, so, it, you know, part of what the DNC is doing is making sure that we are amplifying what the Democrats are doing, and Democrats in the House have introduced legislation to reopen the government um, that has been shot down by Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Uh, and, 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 you know, we, ha- we have to keep holding this administration accountable. Too many people right now are, um, you know, anxious and they shouldn't be. We. This is a simple thing to do.
1: There were um, reports this morning that some uh, Republican staffers, particularly, uh, and, and top staffers in the, in the Congress are saying um, that this is going to backfire. It's going to backfire on mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi because um, people want to hear from the president and backfire because this makes her sort of the lightning rod and then Republicans will be able to make her the centerpiece of their campaigns in 2020 and say, see, she she wouldn't even let the president give a State of the Union address.
4: Well, we saw, I think, Republicans trying to make Nancy Pelosi the focus of all their campaign ads in 2018, and we won back the House. how'd that work? Uh, Right. Uh, I would also say this. Donald Trump held total control of the government, of the House, the Senate, and the White House before the government shut down. Uh, I mean the government shut down in December. He had every opportunity to work with Republicans in the House and Senate to reopen the government. And he didn't. And 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 you know now that Democrats are in control, we're not budging on, you know, trying to fund a wall that we know uh, you know, the criminals, the The um, drug trafficking that Donald Trump talks about all the time, uh, you know, people coming over the border, they're coming through ports of entry. We need to strengthen our ports of entry and not, you know, building a steel barricade across the U.S. is not – the way to deter people from coming in illegally or bringing in drugs into the U.S. We need to strengthen our ports of entry and even, you know, Border Patrol agents have said that. Um, and so, I, you know, I think Speaker Pelosi is doing an incredible job of holding this president accountable and he needs to now come to us with I, – I, you know, he says he's the deal maker. He's, you know, he yeah. says he's a great negotiator. I mean, nothing is proving that to be the case.
1: Well, the Democrats and Republicans in the Senate, at least before the first of the year, did put a proposal, a yep. deal, if you will, in front of him. Right. Reopen the government while we continue to talk border security, Correct. and he rejected that then, and he re- rejected it again as recently mm-hmm. as yesterday. Yeah. Uh, when a group of Senate Republicans came up and said, "No, we need to get the government open." He really doesn't want that. I want to come back to the DNC for just a second mm-hmm. in terms of internally. One of the things that um, uh, that Chairman Perez says, which I really think is so important, is that um, every zip code is important. Yep. And the focus this year on maybe you can talk about that was not just t- too often Democrats get excited about a presidential contest or maybe a Senate race or maybe – a congressional race, but they really, really tended not to give a lot of attention to governors' races or right. state legislative races. Right. Yeah, uh, not to mention city council, county supervisor. Well, let's stop right there. Um, that's changed, right? Yeah.
4: Uh, Twenty eighteen, uh, you know, during the midterms, I think. I think just taking a step back, state legislatures and governors are on the front lines. Uh, they are the ones redrawing the maps and the congressional districts to what gives, you know, Democrats control in Congress and and I think that Republicans have been very good and very strategic about how they draw drew the lines. Absolutely. And, and Democrats didn't we neglected that. We did not pay attention to the state legislative races, to the you know the county races and, and gubernatorial races. We were so focused on the House and Senate for so long, and not to say that that's not important, but so much important work happens in the states. And we saw when Republican governors are in control, they will they have no problem rolling back protections for, you know, women not expanding, you know, uh, you know, not uh, implementing Medicaid expansion, uh, rolling back protections for the ACA. And so what the DNC did in 2018 or during the midterms was uh, we really emphasized this every zip code counts approach. Um, We invested in governor's races. We flipped seven governor's uh, mansions Mm -hmm. across the country. Uh, We invested in state legislative races. You know, we elected over 300, we flipped over 390 seats um, uh, this time around. And so, you know, we're getting back to the basics of focusing on our states. Um, And that's something that really matters. And so what the DNC did was we partnered with our state parties and injected money into our state party so that they could hire you know, organizers. Um, the DNC believes, and I think Tom uh, Perez, our chair, has done an incredible job of emphasizing this message, is that TV is important, but having organizers on the ground is just as important. Having people knock on your doors, creating phone banks, text banks to get out the vote, that is so important. Because at the end of the day, I think people really respond to that face-to-face contact of, well, why should I get out and vote? Um, and and I think that's really important. So we were really proud of the work that we did.
1: Right. And that builds the farm team for the Democrats, yeah. which, uh, yeah. which, again, Republicans were very successful in doing that. It was Carl Rove, Ed Gillespie, who put mm-hmm. together that red map strategy, yeah. they called it then. Yeah. Uh, and they succeeded in uh, in taking over just enough states to control the reapportionment process. Exactly.
4: I mean, right. they they were very successful. And I think some of the things that we did this year was... Uh, you know, very strategic, and and um, you know, we definitely looked to what the Republicans did, um, and you know, took some of that and implemented our own strategy.
1: Right. Um, yesterday, uh, the news came out a couple of days ago. The news came out that the second lady of the United States, Karen yes. Pence, um, who was a teacher, uh, is going to go back to teaching, uh, and she was going to be teaching art classes at a school in Arlington. Northern Virginia, in Arlington. So I said, okay, you know, I saw that, and I thought, okay, well, good for her. Uh, Hmm, that's maybe not so good. Yesterday, it comes out that where she uh, will plans to be teaching still is at Emmanuel Christian School in Arlington, uh, which has some an unusual policy uh, when it comes to um, their Christian beliefs, at any rate, and their uh, hiring policies. They make it a rule they will not hire anyone who is a gay. Uh, They will not accept any students who are gay. Uh, And they require anybody who works there to take this moral conduct pledge. Um, And here is what the pledge says. I just want to read it. This is from their website. Quote, I understand that the term marriage has only one meaning, the uniting of one man and one woman in a single exclusive covenant covenant union as delineated in Scripture. Uh, it goes on to say that God intended sexual acts only between a man and a woman who are married to each other. And so it defines moral misconduct as, this is the school where Karen Pence is teaching, moral con- misconduct would disqualify employees this is uh, any of these would disqualify any employee from getting a job there pre premarital sex cohabitation extramarital sex homosexual or lesbian sexual activity polygamy transgender identity level is polygamy any other violation of the unique roles of male and female
4: it's insane it's crazy.
1: That's pretty 18th century, yeah. isn't it?
4: Well, I was just about to say, we are living in 2019, and that is just so archaic. And also, you know, we're talking about kids. We're talking about a school where uh, it's it's supposed to be a safe learning environment uh, where kids are learning who they are. Um, and to put something like that in writing and make, you know, not even hire employees that, you know, are LGBTQ— it, it's so archaic. And um, so we were, you know, the DNC, so many people in the building were just shocked by that. It's not surprising, given that it's the Pence's. Um, you know, I think, wasn't it Mike Pence that said he doesn't even like to be in a room alone oh. with a woman other than his own wife? Like, you oh, know, no, 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 no. He, he will not. He will not, right.
1: He will not uh, ever allow himself to be anywhere, even just, in a restaurant right. alone. <laughs> With any woman, unless mother is right alongside her.
4: Right. So, you know, we are we were shocked, um, not surprised, but, you know, still shocked. And and so, you know, this is the administration that we have right now. Uh, We are we are they are trying to roll back protections. They are trying to roll us back, you know, to the times when. There were two classes of citizens, and treating LGBTQ people like they do not have the same rights as, you know, a heterosexual couple or a straight person, it's ridiculous. But
1: this goes beyond, you know, the the problem was, look, people have a right to their own religious beliefs, no matter how perverse they are. Mm. But this is the wife of the vice president of the United States. obviously supported by her husband, the vice president, who are, in fact, in effect, preaching intolerance, not only practicing intolerance,
4: discriminatory policies Right. right there. Yeah.
1: Now, I don't know, Peter, I don't know about you, but if I started disqualifying from my friends, right, anybody who engaged in premarital sex, Yikes! Cohabitation, <laughs> extramarital sex, homosexual or lesbian sex, sexual activity—sounds
3: like pretty boring friends.
1: <laughs> I don't have many friends left. <laughs> yeah, right. Who have never engaged in any of that? Right. right. I mean, right. They, again, this is twenty nineteen.
4: Twenty nineteen, and you know, the Supreme Court has even ruled that that same sex marriage not only is legal, but we should be giving equal protections to any you know any person, and so. You know, this is well, this administration.
1: Yeah. Uh, what a contrast, by the way, uh, to our great second lady, Jill Biden.
4: I know. Right? right. Yeah. Who,
1: I believe, is still teaching Yeah. Uh, at, is it, uh, there's Community College? Community College, In yeah. Northern Virginia, yeah. In Northern Virginia, yeah. right? right? I forget which one, right?
4: Yeah. But
1: again, Community College, everybody's welcome.
4: I know. Right? And she's just, so, s- such a welcoming person. Uh, person who just you know accepted everyone um yeah i know you just really miss the bidens and the obamas don't you
1: (laughs) (laughs) well in many ways but ways. but again uh, her message there is how important uh community college is right and how important it is to have these where people who can't afford the private schools they can at least get that first two years there maybe and earn a little money to be able to move up and they welcome everybody, and 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 training, tra- exactly. you know, people the opportunity to get the skills they need to get a good job. And Karen Pence going into you know a lockdown, uh, extreme Christian intolerant, intolerant uh, academy. And, That's exactly and, it. And setting that up uh, as the example.
4: Which is why, 2020 is so important. <laughs> it's time to flip this White House, and you know show them the door because we you know too much is at stake we just cannot allow you know our the vice president's wife the second lady to just be working at a place that just implements discriminatory practices and by the way don't you remember on the campaign trail when donald trump said i will be the most fair lgbtq president i mean i don't know what happened but well I, i guess i do know what happened i mean nothing that he says is you know he doesn't keep his word and uh, flips on his own word, but uh, you know that's why 2020 is so important. We need to elect a Democratic president uh, to to restore, uh, you know, our own democracy um, here.
1: Well, if you yeah, if you get back to the game of uh, all the things that Donald Trump said during the campaign, right. <laughs> uh, and comparing that with what Donald Trump has actually done yes. during the campaign, it's a it's a long list.
4: It's there. a long list. Yes, right. and I think the Washington Post has been keeping a, a full tracker there, so someone can check that
1: you got your work cut out for you at the DNC. Uh, It's great with the new leadership of Tom Perez, everything that you're doing there, and Sabrina, and your role as well, uh, Deputy Communications Director. So say hello to all of our friends at the DNC. I will. Keep up the good work. I can't wait for that first debate in June. I want to be there when they pull the names out. I want to (laughs) see, you know, Richard Ojeda could end up on the same stage as Elizabeth Warren.
4: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'd watch
3: that
1: right i mean it could be the mix up could be really <laughs> could be really interesting but i don't know any other fair way to do it you can't just right. go by who's raised the most money or who's got the the best name id right that right. that is not a good Not the way to get the best. Right,
4: we're trying to be as fair as possible. Thank you for having me today. Great to
1: see you. Okay, when we come back, Igor Bobish joins us from HuffPost on the Bill Press Show. Quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. You got it. Thursday, January seventeenth. Can you believe it? Here we are. The Bill Press Show. We start out. In our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, and we join you everywhere in the great United States of America, as well as around the globe, online, on YouTube, on television, on Free Speech TV, and on WCPT out in the Chicago area, the great uh, progressive voice of Chicago. Brought to you today by the International Association of, keep track here, sheet metal, air, rail, and transportation workers. Put them all together that's the Smart Union under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers. Check out their website at smart-union.org. Join me in saying hello to our good friend from HuffPost, Igor Bobish, political reporter. Igor, good to see you.
6: Thanks, Bill. You, you know what? First I'm, time
1: in the New Year, so that's we right. have to say Happy New Year.
6: Thank you. You know what? I'm I'm sort of disappointed right now. Uh-oh. I was expecting a big spread of burgers. You know, Wendy's. <laughs> Uh, Burger King, <laughs> fries. hamburgers,
3: lots of
1: hamburgers. Well, we uh, can uh, we can get we can give you the <laughs> menu that we that we have, right? Uh, it is, uh, I mean, we, we we got the best Washington has to offer, <laughs> right? In fast food, that's right. And we uh, bring it in, <laughs> bring it in front of you, uh, Peter's searching for that. Uh, the great memorable quote of the president of the United States. Here is the maitre, maitre D at the in the state dining room.
0: Burger King, Wendy's, and McDonald's. We have Big Macs. We have quarter pounders with cheese. We have everything that I like, that you like. Fish
3: and Delight? I know no matter what we did,
0: there's nothing you can have that's better than that,
5: right?
3: There, there were fish there. You're right. There were fish fillets or yeah. fish Delight, My, what my what favorite
6: thing was was seeing pictures of. You know this fancy White House, God knows how old china and and silver, you know silverware, uh, <laughs> stuck into um, you know like pizza crusts, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the presidential cups with the French fries on Right, it. Right, right, right. Okay, um, were you there? No, no, I was not okay. there. Okay, okay, but I I heard the kids loved it. The uh, Clemson.
6: It, it,
3: it should be said, yes, that a lot of the players for the Clemson Tigers, uh, they, they genuinely loved the spread.
6: I mean, if,
1: if I was president, I would— They probably have never had anything else to eat.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. And we don't go off too, too much of a tangent on this, but you know, Clemson football is one of the premier football programs in the country. And a lot of these premier football programs or any sports programs on mm-hmm. like college campuses, they have a nutritional program. They have a nutritionist. Oh. They have someone who gives every player a customized meal plan right so that they're making sure that they get oh, the calories oh, that yeah, they need right. they take it very very seriously and you know what's not on any of those meal plans <laughs>
1: yeah
0: burger king wendys <laughs> and mcdonald's that those are not on the meal plans. Oh, no. Oh, I
3: mean, no
6: i mean if i was president i would have in and out waiting to greet sure. all of my guests you know
1: so. <laughs> totally uh, and i would have five guys
6: oh uh, well, there you go yeah. Well, right. but in and out is
1: a little bit better, so. Oh. <laughs> oh wait, let's not go. go there. Uh-uh. I I've, I've done the taste test and I am <laughs> I am totally uh in the fi- in the Five Guys camp. Well, um you know, uh I <laughs> uh, I'm a little, little disappointed too because um I'm disappointed that Chris Christie didn't get the job as chief of staff. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he is too. Uh right. After his New book comes out. That's right. Uh, yesterday. I, I just have to read the title again because I find it so Chris Christie-like. Uh, the title of his book is, quote, it's a big. it must be a big front page, the title. <laughs> Let me finish Trump, the Kushners, Bannon, New Jersey, and the power of in-your-face politics.
6: <laughs> Very punchy.
1: It is punching. It's yeah. Chris Christie. It is Chris Christie. All over again. Yeah, that's right.
6: And right. in, in it, he he rails about the grifters that the president has surrounded himself and with. And
1: felons. And felons. And amateurs. <laughs> that's right. And it's all because of the kid. That's who, right. Who is, who is the big power in the White House. He's
6: got outstanding beef with Jared Kushner, who is now basically, you know, the de facto chief of staff. He's taken over the role that Christie really wanted.
1: Most. In a lot of
3: ways, Jared Kushner really is running the country. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. Certainly running the White House. He is, or and Jafanka is. At any <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah. Together, right. Yeah. To his credit, he's he's had some success lately on you know criminal justice reform. He helped push that across. But uh, you know, in in terms of and bringing peace to the Middle East, was r- right. a Huge well, success. Well, that plan huge. is still coming, Bill. Oh, it's, really? It's oh. coming. Oh, it's coming. I see. Um at least according to the White House. But, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what his skills are at reopening the government now, so we'll see.
1: Uh, yeah, right. That doesn't, uh, well, there there's, it seems one big obstacle in that uh, is that, uh, and it's it's reported, I want to see if you you can, what you have heard too, that I think the New York Times reporting this morning that while publicly the president is holding tough, right, and this is good for us and this is a political win for us and you know, we can take this all the way, ride this all the way to 2020. That privately, he's telling people we're getting crushed.
6: Yeah, I mean, you hear similar things on Capitol Hill. Republican Republican lawmakers publicly are, are saying, you know, these these are uh, these may look like bad poll numbers for us, but actually, he's bringing his base, his Republican base, uh, on board with him more on the wall. You know, they'll, they'll, they're pointing to numbers from last year. Uh, compared to this year, the saying that more of his base supports the wall, but that's kind of uh, tangent when a majority of the country is uh,
1: kind of tanking uh, with his approval. Right. Um, so in the light of this, um, the president gets a surprise yesterday, a letter from the Speaker of the House who a week ago invited him to give his State of the Union address on January 29 and yesterday in effect rescinding the invitation. We haven't heard from the White House since. We haven't. and It's a, it's a big tell. Uh, and this isn't the first time that
6: the president has uh, kind of gone silent whenever Pelosi has, took a jab at him. You know, she's privately uh, questioned his manhood in, in other meetings. Certain comments that you would expect him to, you know, fire back, uh, given what we saw during the campaign and how he went toe-to-toe with people like Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio over... It's the size of your hand and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, what,
3: what's the deal with Trump and Pelosi? Because there is a he, weird level of respect that he has for Nancy Pelosi.
6: He he's complimented her in the past. Yeah. You know, oh no, many times. Yeah.
1: Right. I think I think I mean, just last week he said, you know, the Vatican built this great big wall right uh, around the Vatican, and Nancy's a nice, a good Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, you know, he used to be a Democrat.
6: He gave her a whole bunch of money, uh, but also I think. In uh, you know street language, game respects game, right? So, <laughs> so
1: uh, I think there is a deep. Level I think of in street language, game has met game, <laughs> you know, in, in this in this play. And That's right. So, um, Post, in effect, said, "You reopen the government, we'll have a State of the Union. If you don't, it ain't going to happen." Uh, what are Donald Trump's options? Well, d- he could do it in writing. He could do it in writing. Uh, there, There's nothing in the Constitution that says
6: that you have to do it televised or in right. person. Um, he could hold an, a, a rally somewhere that, you know, some of the cable nets are probably going to be obliged to carry. But it certainly won't be, the, the you know, the, the pomp and circumstance of, you okay. know, Mr. Speaker, yeah, you know, right. all that. So um, he's kind of in a bind. Um, this whole thing is, I think, a little bit of a show. uh Pelosi saying that, you know, obviously the optics wouldn't be good, but you've had Secret Service and DHS saying, you know, we've been preparing this for months, uh, we're able to do it. So I think Pelosi's really kind of, this is her trump card
1: right now, to, so to speak. Well, uh, f- f- frankly, if he can say, if he can claim national security as a reason for building the wall, uh, I think Nancy can claim national security <laughs> as a reason for not having state of the union during a shutdown. Right. I right. mean, oh, you know, so it's not no more implausible than 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 the wall theory, but uh he he could give a speech somewhere else. I'm 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 thinking back to the second debate of 2016 or maybe it was even in 2015, remember? Mm-hmm. He was he didn't feel he was treated right in the first debate, so he ducked the second debate and right. had an alternative. stays that alternative event where supposedly he gave a million dollars to Veterans organizations, yeah. which it turned yeah. out he had not. Um, so maybe he could, you're right, do something at, I don't know, some hall in town. He the Trump hotel. <laughs> right. He's got
6: a lot of venues in town. Yeah. Uh, he's the master showman. He was, He's you know, he's supposed to but, be the
1: guy. To... But it won't be, unless the shutdown ends, it will not be the State of the Union as we have come to know it, right, right. with Mr. Speaker yeah. in the House of Representatives, with the Supreme Court there yeah. and every member of the Senate, every member of the House.
6: I, I, I think with the shutdown fight and with Pelosi saying no over the wall and now this, I think he's finally coming to a pretty rude awakening that, you know, the last two years has been running roughshod over everyone and now
1: he can't do that anymore. And I do think that um, even objectively um, Republican, Democrat not the Republicans, would publicly admit it, that it would be highly inappropriate to have a an event that sort of pre- gives a message that everything is business as usual, that everything is normal, when eight hundred thousand federal employees are out of a job.
6: Yeah, and it's getting worse. It's getting yeah. worse. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the beginning, people were saying this is a partial shutdown; it's not going to go on for that long. It won't be that painful. Uh, now you've got administration officials saying that it's going to it's going to hurt us, and it's costing us billions of dollars per day. So um, the the impact is definitely getting worse. Right.
1: Um, a couple of uh, 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 actions in the Congress yesterday uh, worth noting. One is there was a big vote in the Senate on um, easing the sanctions for a one big Russian oligarch, right, that the Trump administration did not want to continue tough sanctions on this guy and his and his companies. Uh, Democrats wanted to keep the sanctions on, and the Trump administration wanted to... Release them a little bit. Uh, for, I, I just wonder why that fight was even going on. Why the Trump administration would take that stand? But uh, Democrats almost won that battle yesterday.
6: They did. They were two votes shy of uh, blocking this effort to uh, enforce the sanctions on this guy. He's a he's a wealthy billionaire in Russia. Yeah. Made all of his money on aluminum and, and energy. Right. He's close to Putin. He's a Kremlin ally. He's always been close to Vladimir Putin. He's got ties to Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort worked for him. For a couple of years uh, in the early 2000s. So, you know, and, and this is all, this whole debate is taking place with all this background of, you know, the president won't deny that he's a Russian agent. And uh, he took meeting notes uh, from his interpreter with a meeting right. with Vladimir Putin. It was a very strange time for Republicans to be backing the president and the administration to be push, pushing this. Why? <laughs> that I wish well, I could... Even why, I could. Would the, w-
1: w- why would the administration be defending this guy?
6: So they say that, um, you know, these aluminum firms that, uh, that have been sanctioned, um, they have sufficiently divested control from Deripaska, this Russian oligarch. They're no longer in violation of the sanctions law that Congress passed as a result of, you know, election interference, Crimea, a long list of things. Um, and they say that the law is the law because these companies complied, you know we can we got to let them go. essentially. Yeah the Russian ol- oligarch is a bad guy, but the law is the law. Um, what Democrats say is that just because they divested released majority control doesn't mean that they can be still controlled and somehow you know it is Russia. There are other ways to control the company rather than just you know 50% of shareholders. So um, they're really questioning why now.
1: So you're right. I had thought of it that way, but this is sort of a triple whammy, if you will, on Russia in the last just within the last week, right? One, the story from the New York Times um, that the FBI was so concerned about the president's chummy relationship with Putin that they feared he might actually be a foreign agent for Russia. Uh, Two, the Washington Post reporting, as you just mentioned. That in five meetings with Vladimir Putin, he has uh, not invited anybody else to participate and has destroyed any record of them. Um, And now, three, we've got this administration saying, no, we don't want to go too hard on this buddy of Vladimir Putin's. Um, And yet, what's what's the consequences for Trump? Zero, right? Zero, um, and you know, you did have
6: eleven Republicans
1: uh, yes, side with Democrats right. on
6: right. this, which was it was significant, significant and it, it kind of showed that um, Republicans are, are more willing to buck Trump on foreign policy than anything else domestically that he does, or anything controversial, or tweet, or anything like that. So it, it makes for kind of a,
1: a weird contrast in that sense, right? Um, and that this this occurs uh, in uh, at the same time that we're hearing that the Mueller investigation um, is nowhere close to shutting down. I mean, some people say yes, but the signs are just the opposite reason. Rick Gates, they postponed his uh, sentencing hearing for two months. They extended the life of the grand jury for six months. Mm -hmm. Um, Mueller, uh, uh, the uh, team yesterday admitted that this guy Klimnick is that how you pronounce this? Klimnick, yeah. Klim- Klimnick mm-hmm. is a target of the investigation, right. so they still have to get to him. They haven't gotten to Roger Stone to Jerome Corsi yet. Yeah, um, it's it's going to go on for some time. Looks like, uh, it. and um, you
6: know, given Rudy Giuliani's comments last night on I'll, CNN, I want to get
1: to that next. Yeah, uh,
6: it it makes me think that there's something more coming uh, because. You had Rudy uh, kind of admitting a whole bunch of things all of a sudden that uh, he would he did not he would not admit earlier. Right.
1: So the story has changed from there was never anybody or in part of the campaign or the transition or the White House. Nobody around me said Donald Trump over and over again that had any contact at all with any Russian. Now we know, of course, that's fallen apart a long time ago. But now the official word from the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, last night is, I never said that. It's just they all might have done it, but Donald Trump himself never did. That's a big change. So that occurred in this exchange. You hear that in this exchange between Rudy Giuliani last night on CNN with Chris Cuomo
2: false reporting is saying that there has been no suggestion of any kind of collusion between the campaign and any Russians. Because now you have Paul
0: Manafort giving
2: poll data that winds up
0: leading to this coincidence. Well, you just misstated my position. I never said there was no collusion between the campaign or between people in the campaign. I have have. no idea. if I have not. I said the president of the United States, there is not a single bit of evidence the president of the United States committed the only crime you could commit here, conspired with the Russians to hack the DNC. First of all, there crime is not, is not day, the bar
2: of accountability for a president. It's about what you knew, well, he didn't what was right, Russia and either. what was wrong, and what did you deceive about. The Those are going to be major considerations.
0: The president did not. Well, he said nobody had any contact. Russians. Tons of Whatever people had contact. Nobody
2: colluded. The guy running his campaign. He didn't say was nobody was working on an issue he at
0: the same time didn't. as the convention. <laughs> he said he didn't. He didn't say nobody. How would you know that nobody in your campaign? He actually did say that.
1: He did say it.
6: He did say that, and so did Rudy Giuliani in a, in a previous interview. Right. Uh, right. But. Uh, It's so funny. It's almost like I don't know whether to call Rudy the best lawyer in the world or the worst lawyer in the world Uh, because he he has this habit of going on TV and sort of accidentally making it appear like he, you know, gaffed and said something that he shouldn't have. Um, Whereas in another sense, it could be viewed as a legal strategy of you admitting to something prior to being charged for it. Uh, he did that. He, he did this exact same it. thing with the, the payments that Michael Absolutely. Cohen made I was just to thinking Stormy that. Daniels.
1: Right. Yeah. Where before Donald Trump had denied even knowing anything about any deal at all with Stormy Daniels, right. Rudy Giuliani says, yeah, the president knew about it. He paid Cohen back. Yeah. And he probably paid a lot of other women, if necessary. <laughs> Is that the guy you want representing you? I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Well, uh, now, so um, on the Mueller front, also, we had two days of hearing for a man confer- uh, confirmed nominated to be the next Attorney General of the United States, uh, William Barr, who says that, um, with some caveats, that he would allow the Mueller invest—it's not a witch hunt—he would allow it to the Mueller investigation to continue. He would not fire Robert Mueller, and he would make the full report public. Well, his uh, now. <laughs> Do we believe that? <laughs> well, that's the question. Uh, he
6: committed to transparency on the Mueller report. Now, Democrats are saying there's a lot of wiggle room in that statement. You know, of course, you're committed to transparency, but you're not committing to, of course, make the whole thing public. Um, so there's a lot of there's some tension there
1: in, in his statement. Right. Uh, E.J. Dion in The Washington Post this morning has a very powerful op-ed where he basically says, don't believe a word Barr says. Um, that he, it, he did allow himself enough wiggle room uh, in his, particularly in an earlier memo that he wrote, 19 pages long, right. where he asserts almost unbridled presidential power, Yeah, uh, that he can do whatever he wants uh, when it comes to the Department of Justice, that the any freedom or independence that we thought the Department of Justice had is totally uh, up to the president's discretion and um, that you cannot indict the president for anything. He's he's not the first
6: Trump nominee to uh, behave and, and talk completely differently from what, what he said in the past. Um, Bill Barr was really, really, you know, a lot of people found him impressive. Democrats thought he was he did a good oh, job yeah. In, yeah. In, in the confirmation no, hearing. Was, uh, he some was, of the things
1: he said were reassuring yeah. if you could, again, could believe him.
6: Right. Uh, but it, it's almost like, he this this memo that he wrote, completely attacking the Mueller investigation, was uh, didn't
1: even exist. It was an alternate universe uh, yeah. compared to his testimony. Right, that's right. Right. Uh, to me, the sign that you can't believe Barr is that Donald Trump has not tweeted one word about Barr's testimony. Mm. Now, if he Barr said again, it's not a witch hunt. Robert Mueller's a good man. He'd never be involved in any witch hunt. On and on and on and on. If Donald Trump were upset about that, he would have tweeted about it. I yeah. think Donald Trump didn't tweet about it because he knows that Barr is just either lying or dissembling or hide covering up what he and Barr talked about when they when he nominated him for the job. Yeah, offered I, him the job.
6: And I, and I do wonder if Trump knew that uh, Bill Barr and Bob Mueller are friends. They've been friends for thirty years. You know they're. Families have interacted. Uh, So it's kind of a key detail. there. The the bar thing
3: is really, really tough, I think, for Democrats because, you know, look, compared to the other option for attorney general, Matthew Whitaker, the guy looks wonderful
4: to Democrats.
3: But I agree with you, Bill. It's like you look at all the stuff that he's saying where he would uphold the Mueller investigation and he would uphold the rule of law and things like that. And you're right. If Donald Trump actually thought that was true, he'd be losing his mind.
1: So I was on the Hill yesterday. Say, I regret. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you're fired. You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just get rid of him. So Go I was ahead. on
6: the Hill yesterday, actually, and I asked uh, Chuck Schumer this exact question. Do you believe that Bill Barr is at least somewhat better of a nominee attorney general than, mm-hmm. than Matt Whitaker? And, um, you know, he, he said essentially what you said, that it's a... That being attorney general, especially in this time of the president attacking the Department of Justice daily, um, uh, it, the job should should meet a high bar, and that he does not meet that high bar when you look
1: at his answers on um, the Mueller investigation. Right. Um, we got a couple. Of, we talked earlier about this. I have to ask you about uh, a, a, a tough moment for the American people uh, and the U.S. military, and an embarrassing moment for the Trump administration yesterday when four Americans killed in a suicide bombing. Uh, in northern Syria, in ISIS controlled territory. Well, not ISIS controlled, but ISIS obviously still active in that part of Syria. Uh, they control less and less territory. Uh, ISIS immediately claimed credit for the murder of these four Americans at the suicide bombing. Fifteen others died as well in that restaurant. Um, and this is um, within weeks after the president said ISIS doesn't exist any longer. And for two hours after this report. Came from Syria. Mike Pence goes out giving a speech here in Washington.
0: We are bringing our troops home. The caliphate has crumbled, and ISIS has been defeated.
1: And he says that knowing four Americans were just killed in Syria.
0: Yeah,
6: that's some uh, some unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate language. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, Obama's famed ISIS is a JV team. Comment that oh, yeah. that yeah. Republicans used to, you know, yeah. cite right. over and over again. Forgot about that. One, uh, so right. a, a, very similar. Um, really bad, <laughs> bad comment to make. Just a
1: concept that even with al Qaeda, <clears throat> right, right? Oh God! So they may no longer be there, hidden by the Taliban in Afghanistan, but it doesn't mean they're not still active under various names all around the world. Right. The same thing with ISIS. Right. It yeah. may take away their territory. Doesn't mean you destroy those enemies of the United States. It, I mean, this whole, the war politics around this
6: really, um, it's really striking. I mean, if this was a Democratic president who was announcing a full withdrawal out of Syria and was thinking about Afghanistan, I think both sides would be completely shifted, right? You know, if you had Obama announcing we we're pulling out troops out of Syria, I think Demo- some Democrats would be cheering. Um, now, whereas how how Trump is doing it, I think that's, That's the issue. You know, the abrupt withdrawal is what people find a lot
1: uh, wrong with. Right. Uh, Sorry, we're really running out of time. Damn. But I do want to ask you this just in a few seconds. So uh, Kirsten Gillibrand is the latest uh, exploratory committee. Is she a serious candidate? I think so. Really? Yeah.
6: I think so. I, I think any woman candidate in this this political environment is a serious candidate. Do you
1: think it has to be a woman a candidate for 2020, Democrats?
6: No, but I think there will be at least a woman on the ticket, either vice or, or presidential.
1: All right. Heard it here first from Igor Babish from HuffPost at HuffPost.com. Thanks, Igor. Great to see you. Thanks, man. As baby. always, let's get back to work, and we'll let, give you the rest of the day. Sabrina Siddiqui here yes. tomorrow. Don't miss. This is the Bill Press Show.